This podcast is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky stuff. You know, any film that we talk about here, we recommend you see in advance. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh the Horror. It's a look at modern and classic horror films from an expert and a casual's perspective. I'm the casual Steve Allman. And I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And today we are looking at The Void, a 2017 horror film crowdfunded, at least partially, uh, to some great acclaim and now on Netflix currently. Yeah, um, this movie... This movie's insane. So yeah, it got released 2017, uh, hit the festival circuit in 2016. Um, I think it, yeah, it did. It did a festival circuit at Fantastic Fest in uh, Toronto after dark. Funded on Indiegogo. This is uh, this is an amazing thing. This is really cool to see a movie get partial, if not fully funded. Like what I've only found on this is that it cost about. They raised around uh, $82,500 for the movie. Now, it sounded like they already had a little bit of money going into it. Uh, maybe either money or they were donating their time into it, and then the, the money was going to work on the practical effects. So this was a movie that was all about showcasing practical effects and hearkening back to the 70s and 80s styles of filmmaking. Uh, and I can definitely feel that on the screen as it moves on. It, it's weird. There, I wouldn't say that there's a uh, interesting tonal shift in the latter half of this movie, but it gets very uh, 70s and 80s-esque the more and more we go further into this movie. Yo, absolutely. It, it, it seems to me that there is a par- there's a parallel in a lot of... Um, homage to to other films the beyond is definitely one of those movies especially when we get towards the end of it and even the the fight through hell scene that there is with the with the creatures that are down there is very reminiscent of the hospital scene in the beyond um then we're also looking at films like hellraiser and where characters are running through uh an ever closing hallway as they're being chased by a beast and then jumping out at the end back into a hospital. So there's a lot of parallels. Quite a few actual character designs actually reminded me of of, uh, of that movie as well. It's, uh, it's yeah. kind of eerie to see that. Yeah, but I think it's it's done in such a in such a really nice way that it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's stealing anything at all, and it doesn't feel like it's it doesn't feel like it's cheapening anything. Uh, it all it all comes together in a very gore-filled, fun, uh, fun movie, fun indie film. Yeah, I th- I think that I think this movie has a lot of effective good things going for it, um, and a few weaknesses that are kind of harder to ignore. But overall, I think this package is very tight and very uh, uh, very clean and sleek looking. Uh, at least as it's trying to be in the latter half. I think it gets actually better in uh, its latter half, and it, it takes a minute to get going uh, 
from the beginning. But let's let's start at the beginning actually and find a kind of a uh, a, a good through point to uh, to begin here. We have our uh, uh, we uh, kind of a rollicking opening of uh, what is seemingly a murder. Go down. Yeah, and we know that there's something more to it because of what's going on. Uh, we know that someone is already dead. That is our opening shot, is is this dead body as we move through a house. Um, and we get out to see one guy just running out of the house, um, and then another girl running out and being shot in the back, and then set on fire by two men. It is a pretty intense way to to open your film. And then, you know, we, we are introduced to Deputy Daniel Carter. Uh, you know, th it, it's just another lonely, boring day or boring night of just sitting around doing nothing. And then all of a sudden he sees this this guy, this drug fiend guy who's just come out of this house who looks like He's a murderer. Stumbling out of the woods. Stumbling yeah. and, and falls to the ground and he ends up taking him to... Uh, this hospital, which is now understaffed because there was a recent fire there, and they're still trying to rebuild and, and deal with what had happened with this with this fire. Um, there's, you know, when you get into this film, there's a lot of layers and a lot of backstory that makes it feel like it takes place in reality. It doesn't feel like anything's fake or some sort of Hollywood style uh, film trope where it's everything is picturesque and perfect. Um, yeah, it feels very grounded. Yeah, and I and I really like where where it goes because some stuff there's a lot of stuff in this movie that is not explained. There you know, you leave this movie with more questions than answers, but I think in this case it works uh as a strength instead of taking away from it. Um I I think I think so too. Um it's interesting because the the sort of the tone that comes from the beginning to maybe around the halfway point feels to me like a bit of a survival I, I hate to evoke the comparison walking dead-esque like survivors pitted against one another uh kind of drama at least in the beginning that felt that didn't exactly uh hit with me but getting into like the main conflict once we get to the hospital as uh the our main character seems to bring this victim into the hospital to see what's mm -hmm. wrong with him yeah, we, we realize that because this is such a small town and there's a lot of exposition in this, like really small stuff and some of these some of these B shots in there or B roll shots of, of you know, the uh um the highway and everything like that and just getting these long wide shots really just makes you understand how sparse this area really is. And how everyone is going to know each other. So when we finally get the introductions, we're like, oh, no wonder every single person knows every single person in this area because there's no one else around. Um, yeah, and and it's like even like he was trying to figure out like what the closest or best type of hospital to go to is. And he's like, oh, man, like they're not even going to be that well staffed at this time of night. Like, well, there's there's we, we know the real reason we find out very soon that the real reason he does not want to go to this one hospital, the understaffed one, is because his estranged wife is a nurse there and he's going to run into her. And I love that there's that dynamic between the two, and it's not overly thrown in your face. It is mentioned, but it's not done in a melodramatic way. It's just a matter-of-fact way. Um, so we end up getting introduced to Dr. Powell, who is basically the only doctor on staff that night. There's Nurse Beverly, intern Kim, 
there's a uh, pregnant girl Maggie, her grandfather Ben, and there's this patient Cliff who is with um, Kim in the beginning, and she's showing like all this stuff that she was learning in med school, like degloving and all this crazy, insane stuff. Um, and at this point, I'm thinking to myself, all right, we're gonna have these characters around for a while. Um, you know, because we have, you know, the, this guy is being treated by the doctor, um, who they found on the side of the road and, uh, the deputy is just kind of walking around and you're like, all right, uh, I guess this is going to be kind of a slow burn movie. Nope. Walks right into where Cliff's room is and Cliff has been stabbed in the eye with a scalpel by, uh, nurse Beverly, who is now peeling off her own face and, and cutting herself apart with a scalpel. Um, Super fun uh, way to spice up the actual pace of the movie. Out of uh, nowhere, though. I mean, it yeah. really like just hits you, and you're like, what in the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. And because you thought that it was going to be like, okay, this like clearly these two guys that were chasing after this girl that murdered her. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting bait and switch that this movie's starting to pull in the beginning hours where you don't know what's going on. Nobody really knows why this happened. All of this crazy stuff's happening. A woman cut her face off and just stabbed a guy to death. Uh, it's craziness. It's absolute madness. So, uh, moving on, we get to learn more and more about the assailants in the beginning of the movie. Well, well, before we get to that, so Daniel, after he shoots Beverly and King kills her, he ends up, um, he ends up kind of collapsing, right? And then he has this weird vision. Now, this is where the stuff starts get getting interesting. And I, I've watched this movie a few times now. So this is like my third time watching it. Um, and and when you watch like these visions that he ends up having when he's, when he's unconscious, and this happens a couple of times in the film, you start to see, I guess, what the other world is. And you start getting a clearer picture of what's on the other side. Um, There's like tastes of these like image this imagery of like just like dark water and like the galaxy of stuff like that. It's, it's the it's galaxy, very... it's this other planet and then you get then you get tissue, like bloody tissue kind of being shredded apart a bit um and pulsating. And it's really cool like the these image these images because it all plays out later in the film and and a lot of it makes sense then. Um but I just like the inclusion of that. And I, I got to say, the cinematography in this film is really, really great. Oh, man. I, th I think second only to its practical effects, yeah. uh, it's the best part about the movie. That, and I mean, it, this... Far this, and away. That, this, you know, I, I really like the soundtrack as well. I think the music in it definitely uh, adds to the atmosphere. This film... It's got a lot of different pieces, and while while they're not all perfect, it comes together to make something that is extremely ambitious and extremely well done, given the limitations um, that they had going into the film. Absolutely, now, and I think only later on it gets a little too big for its britches. Slightly. but Slightly. Um, be, be only because of the type of story that it's telling and the scope at which it wishes to tell it. Uh, but again, we're still going strong at this point. Yeah, we, we really are. Um, so everyone at this point, we're trying to figure out what's going on. We have a state trooper who has shown up, um, because of the guy, uh, who they brought in because at first Daniel's like, man, how long was I out? Because this, this is ridiculous. How is this state trooper already here? And they're like, oh, he was already on his way. 
um, you know, for the whole Bev situation. So, you know, Daniel's like, hey, I'm going to go make the call. I'm going to call this in. Um, and this cultist just appears out of nowhere. And the, I love the way the cultists look in this. Their, their oh, look super is cool, so super awesome. Effective. Uh, it's, it's a really <clears throat> neat, like, uh, it's almost like modern in a weird way. Like, yeah. it's, it's cool almost. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think it's a perfect sort of vibe for this movie that it's going for. It's like like retro futurist cult, right? That you can kind of like. I don't know. It's 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 very effective, very good, uh, and still creepy when you see it. Yeah, and and you know the the cult is interesting. We don't delve too much into them, and that's where I definitely I want more from this film on that aspect. But I do like that they. They're kind of the driving force that keeps everyone from escaping. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, they're the ones keeping everyone inside. So, I, you know, he gets Daniel ends up getting attacked by a cultist and stabbed. Um, he ends up being able to get the cultist off of him and get back into the into the hospital. And you know, they're they're helping him out, getting him from bleeding out. And then all of a sudden, we have to deal with the guy James who's who uh, we found in the beginning of the movie screaming like a maniac as Bev is now turning into this giant creature like she's transformed into this weird tentacle creature uh, that keeps kind of transforming and becoming more and more it's like a constant evolving almost like a thing creature like this is another this is another awesome thing that it does is that it, it touches on movies like John Carpenter's The Thing without copying it completely so it's definitely yeah you you know you know exactly what this movie's going for the second they try to go for it and they're like oh wow you're like you're trying to pull that off and i never feel like it's cheap or blatantly uh ripping something off but i couldn't kind of help but feel that like oh they're just clearly going for a thing thing and not that it took me out of it but it didn't necessarily keep me uh into it because i'm just like oh wow these guys are just really good at making this thing thing you know yeah if that that kind of no and i i I agree with you and i think there's there's a couple of moments with that creature though because it attacks mitchell it kills mitchell they kill it um but i do like some of the single shots that you see where you can tell that they did put a lot of work into it because you can see where the face stretched out and they have an eye of someone in this area and then like different uh physiology in other areas and i really like what they did my issue with those scenes is that the it the editing feels like they didn't want to show a lot of stuff and this happens throughout the movie this is the first major moment where there's a creature attack that feels like we don't see much of the creature attack we see some moments of it especially when it it has take fully taken uh, the state trooper and has started like devouring him and putting its tentacles through his face and everything we get to see some close-ups of as it's trying to evolve into something else and getting blown away with the with the gun or the rifle right I, um, and I keep in I think it's mainly just an oddity of editing because it, it seems that like everything's very close everything like doesn't really stay on the creature for more than like a couple of seconds. And it's not to say that it looks bad because, like, I, upon constant glances of, like, wide shots of it, like, it looked pretty good. Uh, I just didn't, 
I just didn't feel like they had confidence enough to show it all. Here's what I'm thinking happened. Uh, it, it looks like what they built didn't have a lot of moving parts. It looked like it was a lot of foam latex and, and solid pieces because you're not going to be able to do a ton of joints and a ton of uh, intricate, movable work, probably given a very short time frame for pre-production. You know, we're talking about a lot of creature effects in this as well. Yeah, and um, let alone a budget of at least $80,000 and probably not much more. Yeah, so you're looking at very, very low budget and probably just doing this when they have the time to do this. So there's going to be trick editing and stuff that goes into it, and they, they probably had a good amount of footage, but maybe it didn't go together as well as they wanted to, or maybe you know you could see the seams, and this was just a, a easier way to portray what they wanted to do and kind of show a little restraint because if you do restraint in multiple places you can say that it's like an artistic choice for filmmaking because you still get the insane gore in certain moments of the film it just not every kill is going to be insane insane gore exactly uh and i i think the uh it's at this point where after we kind of defeat this first creature where i feel like the plot starts to lose me a bit because it attempts to kind of explain and bring all of these characters together towards a common goal when things seem to be fighting against it. Yeah, but this is where I have a lot of fun with it, and I, there's definitely this um, this mythos to it that, that comes into play that makes it feel like uh, a really good horror novella come to life. Um, so yeah, we, we get a little further into... We the Beverly creature is is been killed. They're gonna go get the shotgun, um, and they end up. Uh, yeah, they end up being able to to get the shotgun. Uh, but first, I think they're worried about the body, so I think they like set the body on fire, and they ended up just pushing it out into the uh, out into the parking lot. And I thought that was right. really in the, cool in the beginning. I thought that was just like a symbol to the cultists, like you know, this is what we're capable of, or something. Oh like no, that. It, was, it was get this end, thing out of. Like well, because he's yeah. like, it's formed together again once. How many times is this going to happen? So it's like, let's get rid of the body. So Powell, the doctor, has been uh, stabbed in the neck. There was this weird like. Oh yes, by the junkie situation. because because of the standoff between. Uh, our two characters that murdered that woman in the beginning and wanting to deal with the junkie, knowing that there's the creature out there and them helping them with the creature and then them coming back into the situation of like, well, who, what's going on? Who who are you? What's happening here? Like, it's, it's a whole bunch of like kind of chaos between the two and there's no real like semblance of who's taking control of the situation. Yeah. Cause we skipped over a few things. Cause yeah, I, I went as I, as I was going through, I skipped over the part where those two guys end up showing up to come after the junkie. Yeah. They have their standoff. The doctor gets stabbed in the neck with a scalpel. The doctor's dead at this point for all intents and purposes. He is, he's dead. We go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, and things, they aren't exactly properly explained I, I, I feel like I think this is the first problems that I have with this movie come in the form of our uh, of our would be main character. And I, th- I think it's mainly I, I can see what they're trying to go for in the script when I see the types of uh, like line delivery and tone that they're trying to evoke with all of these lines. But I, th- I think that the acting is just like a little bit underneath what the script is demanding. Uh, I think, I mean, I almost think, like, that's 
personally for me i think that plays to its benefit i think it's very subtle and understated with a lot of what it's doing it makes it feel to me it makes it feel more like a realistic situation that we've just been thrown into so the weirdness of what is going on um there's more to the story whereas i said this feels like a novella i feel like we would get a lot of the emotion and a lot of the really deeper thought processes of these characters through a novella or more of this world for you know what they were able to do i felt like if this were something like a novella and it's not it's an original script by the directors jeremy gillespie and stephen kostansky I, I think what they have, actually, I would like to see developed further. I want to see, actually, them put this together into into a uh, some sort of maybe a graphic novel or something like that, and then come up with a sequel to this, or at least show a prequel of how all of this stuff came into play. Like, they have a, a great point for world building here. Um, they do, and I and it's and it's not even so much the problem with the world building because I'm all on board for this type of occult story that they're trying to go for. I think it's more so, uh, it, I wouldn't say the caliber of actors, but I think the tone that like mainly uh, that Daniel Carter is, is trying to convey, played by Aaron Poole, uh, he's trying to like he's going for like commanding the scene when his counterpart is clearly taking command of the scene. He's trying to be just as badass as he is when clearly he's just a guy trying to like be a straight shooter. If that makes any sense. It's like, I I don't understand. Like there are multiple times when he seemingly changes his not character motivation, but his character, uh, like uh, his persona to like either be this hardened badass or, like just a guy trying to get out of this situation. Yeah, I feel. And, I feel like uh, I get where you're saying. I feel like he's a reluctant hero in this more than anything. It's like he there's few things that he really truly cares about, and one of them is his estranged wife. So you know, as they're dealing with all this crap, Allison disappears. Like she is trying to go get all the stuff because. Um, the girl like Maggie goes into labor and Maggie's going to be having her baby. So they've, they've got to, they've got to do something. Right. Um, and then, you know, Powell's body is gone and Powell gets a hold of Allison and, uh, things, things start to really, things start to kind of go off the rails a bit, not in a bad way, but like in a way where you realize this is not a movie that is going to end well. Yeah. Um, there is some escalation to say the least. Really great. Like I, I have to say when we find out, um, that she has been taken, uh, and, and Allison is talking to Dr. Powell and Powell is explaining losing his child and how Maggie, or not Maggie, but um, how Allison lost her child as well, and you get this really fucked up monologue that he goes into as you see him like carving the skin off of his hands, and then we cut back to uh, Maggie going into labor and Kim having to perform a C-section and freaking out, but she can't perform the C-section, and then Ben, who's like the grandfather, is like, you have to do this, you have to do this, and all of a sudden, his throat is slit, and you're like, what the hell? And pregnant Maggie is standing behind him. Yeah, little like, does she know, she's crazy and totally a, a, a zealot for all of this Well, stuff. and then we find out that the baby is Powell's. 
And that's where it hits a whole new level of like, how deep is this? How deep does all of this go in this whole cult thing? Because it seems like Powell is like the leader of this cult. Powell has found all of this uh, this way to get into this other dimension, to this Cthulhu-like creature. Like, this is a very H.P. Lovecraft, like a Lovecraftian uh, type of film as well. So there's definitely what it pays homage to as well as that. And I feel like that's the overarching theme of this, is, is like a Lovecraftian, otherworldly tale. And yeah, and you mentioned the idea of a novella, and every once in a while I feel like the plot unravels itself kind of like a telenovela, because things are kind of explained and not shown, and certain things are shown and not really explained, and it, it's, it's jarring because... It like it, it goes off the rails just to be like when we when we hear about like what the story is with the junkie before they're about to go into that house again and figure out what's there. You have this kind of info dump that he just kind of stutters out about him wanting to score drugs and finding out that there's just like a sex murder cult down there and they were doing some crazy messed up stuff like I, I feel like other movies would either want to flash back to that or show something reveal something else that of what he saw just so that we know what we're getting into rather than this weird just almost jump into right right into what he's describing see but other I, characters. I, th I think that works in this case especially when you look at this movie as a whole because as i said doing a prequel or a sequel to this you could delve more into that and kind of develop it out very fully. true um, and again, I, it's it's a lot of things coming into play. And once you it, like, I keep thinking about the budget now because you you've trained me on this because I'm like <laughs> they couldn't possibly show all of that because right, it's like right. eighty two thousand dollars or something. Well, I mean, but, when we look, yeah, and then we we get further into it and we we find out um, this this is you know, when you say the budget thing, this is kind of where the budget builds up to a point where you're like, oh my god, this is where all the money went. And one of them is when stuff just is appearing that should not be there. Like the basement stairs that go down further into it. The fact that stuff turns into a house for some of these people. And they think that they're back in this weird house. Um, and it's all this delusion. But the part that's insane, like really insane, is when Daniel ends up seeing Allison. And she looks like she's okay, she's okay still. What we've realized is Pal has said to her at this one point... Where she's like, no, we can't, or you can't do this to me, you can't do this to me. And he pulls the thing back on her and he's like, oh, but it's already done. And you're like, well, shit, how do you come back from that? And you find out that you, you don't. Because that big reveal is she, Allison, is this has is the mother now of this giant tentacle creature that is just torn out of her body and is hanging everywhere in this room and it's such an awesome looking scene it's hard this is it's it's an amazing set it's it like something out of so like good. a resident evil video game it's it's yes. incredible like tentacle monster designs and it's a great reveal because we we actually get a very earnest scene about like them losing their baby and her wanting them to be there and like the illusion breaks and just it's just like these tentacles and like just viscera around this one uh, like operating table and it's very tragic it's very heartbreaking to see and he's got to like you know finish it off so that that thing doesn't keep growing it's it's very good and then when we cut back to the hospital our nurse assistant is like freaking out because of all these things and we, like she's kind of just like shelved in the plot yeah a bit. 
but it, like it she's just like, all right, you'll just be here. It, it kind of works in, in a way just because sometimes we, we don't know what happens to supporting characters in films. They just disappear. And yes, she does kind of disappear, but we know that she's hiding. And we know that Maggie, because of everything that's going on with this cult, uh, it's weird that she kills Ben and then doesn't kill kill Kim. But at the same time, whatever, it's fine. So we have Kim still alive. We have the, We have Maggie has now appeared and ends up stabbing Daniel as he sees what is going on. And then we find out that Powell is skinless. He looks like basically uh, the dude from Hellraiser when he, when he's skinless and it looks cool. It's a cool moment. And then we, you know, get the reveal thing with Maggie a little bit more. Um, And then Maggie has her, has her kid and her, her kid. Holy crap, man. Like that is insane. Like it's, he does it's a vi- his- and again, very good, very clever reveal of like just behind the operating table, like just splash of blood and like sound effects, and then you hear stomp, stomp, stomp. Uh, y- like you you see the corners that they cut, and they cut them very well. Yeah. Well, and then uh, you know, it's like yeah, you get they basically go with that that the thing approach of show what you can of it, and then work with your cinematographer to make sure that everything you're capturing is the best quality it can be. Right. Um, really, really got to give it up to the cinematographer here. The DP did an amazing job, not only of like showing what needed to be shown and everything, but like setting up a really good like neony vibe for this entire movie it looks awesome like a couple standout shots if i can just geek out for a minute the way that the uh cultists were lit near near closer to the beginning of the movie when they turned the blue and red lights on from the squad car amazing looking shot uh the any like actual lighting from that triangular like neon light fixture near the end of the film incredible to see Every time that the light seemingly went out, it looked like a brand new set. Uh, it's like the work of a good DP can kind of make a movie like more fleshed out. And I don't know where they got this guy, but he is worth far more than anything this budget for this entire movie can even muster. It is absolutely crazy how well they were able to piece everything together given the budget. And it shows the strengths of everyone involved because it's not just one department. It's every department coming together to... Absolutely. I'm, just, I'm, to, I'm mainly highlighting you know, the one, I, but like across the board, yeah. the production levels of this movie are really, really good. They, they really are. And um, yeah, so we get to the point where, you know, the triangle gets opened up. We see the other dimension. Yeah, Daniel's been stabbed through the back. We know it's pretty much the end for him. This, this, I guess it, it was it was Pal's daughter Sarah who is now the creature reborn. So that's his like daughter slash demon creature thing. Um, it goes after the two guys. So there's Vincent and the and the kid Simon. So it gets Vincent. It stabs into him. You're watching it just go through him, and he's yelling at Simon to like throw this flare at him because uh vincent's covered himself in alcohol and everything and he's covered the creature in alcohol and he's like do it do it and they've shot this thing multiple times and it just will not die um so he finally is able to do it and like i guess so simon never says anything this entire movie either because he's watched his whole family i guess get get murdered for the most part um 
and he never says a word, which is interesting. It's a cool character choice, which also adds a lot of depth and layers to these characters as well. Um, but then because Pal says, you know, he can, he tells Daniel that Allison, uh, he can be with Allison again if he gives himself over to this abyss, this like void. And Daniel basically say, he refuses, but then tackles Pal into the void, which essentially to me it means to he's me he's kind of giving him what he wanted I it, guess? to me it means that he did actually give him what he wanted even though to him i think it was the opposite i know he wanted to close the void and to him i don't really know in, in his mind how that would close if that the would void. close the void or something it's, it's i don't it, know it was unclear yeah, maybe he, like, knew, because there was that moment where Pal says, like, I felt something in you, I felt what you saw, so maybe there was that, it, it, there was a, a way that, that Pal, or Daniel, not Pal, Daniel was able to see something, because he was so close to Pal, and so close to the void, we can, we can assume that, I, I'm not exactly sure, but, you know, we get that cool moment of him diving through and pushing Pal through the void, everything closes up, and then, um... Simon is like, oh shit, I gotta get out of here. And even though this the Sarah creature has been set on fire, it's still alive and it's still following him. And he is running through, and we get that cool Hellraiser scene of running back and getting into the hospital and the walls closing. Um, and then he reunites with Kim, who is alive. She almost kills him, but doesn't, thank God. And so now we have them alive still, which is interesting because if we get a sequel, we could follow their story a little more and find out what happens afterwards. Uh, because we could have stuff that's happening in this world, while at the same time, we then cut to Daniel and Allison, who is now alive, but they're both on this other world staring at the Black Pyramid that's floating above them that exists in this strange world that they've gone to. Right, and it's like it's it's a little bit of a cringe at the end because like the CG's not really that good, and the green screen doesn't look that translated that well. No, the green um, screen the green screen is a little iffy. I think for the world in itself, you know, the one the one I'll, that I I'll just say it's not good. I'll just say it's not good. So so the issue that I have with it is that I wish they had gone and done a. Um, Lucio Fulci's The Beyond and gone with let's let's say do it in a in a set do it in a uh enclosed area put out that weird like kind of graveyardy feel or barren landscape that you end up getting in in The Beyond and heavily put in a lot of fog like if they had gone with that and then kind of had this pyramid thing appearing from that I think it would have translated better I do like the fact that you see that there's this moment of them being reunited. Pal isn't there, so essentially Pal did get what he wanted. Um, I, yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. I like We don't really know what he did want. He didn't seem consumed with guilt, or he wasn't like trying to fix things or make things right with his wife. Right, but uh, I... It, it, like, character, well, the it character was, it motivation here... Well, that was Daniel. Well, Daniel and his wife, but like Powell, the doctor, like him being oh, yes, gone me, makes it yeah. seem like that's like the doctor got what he wanted. And then Daniel and his wife are, you know, they, they hold hands at the end. So, you know, it's going to be the two of them reuniting. Like to me, that's the symbolism of that. Now, at the same time, we don't know what is really going on. And I see I see this as like chapter one 
of something much larger or book one of like a three or four part series and we're just we're just getting like the beginning of what all of this means that's the way i would like to see it because it's just i i think there's so much more to bring to this film but at the same time i love what i got from this film true i think that if we were to kind of explore this more be it in any form of media that we can think of I feel like we could kind of get into like a bit of a Stranger Things t- kind of territory, but like a more adult, where like we have we have like these people trapped in this other world, and like these kids, like these two kids that had survived, trying to look for find out what is happening. Like we we can extrapolate that, but well, I, and I think and get that, away from the cult because the cult is still there. A lot true, of them, yeah. A lot of them have had their heads crushed, but a lot of them are still there. You know, right. But I, I think I, I, amongst the flaws that I have, I think it's mainly uh, character motivation and, like, just tying up loose ends with your characters. And I, I clearly know where their head and their hearts were at in making this movie, and they needed a good framework to do it. And they, and they made a pretty good one. But I think it's more of the bread and butter things of making a movie with characters that it kind of stumbles. And I can understand that, but... I can't ignore the fact that of how good a lot of these creatures effects are a lot of how good the tone and the vibe of this movie is. It really works well. I think the acting is, can be like subpar at sometimes, but other times it's perfectly fine. Uh, I, th- I think it's just like the ending is very abrupt and very n- not concise with how this movie began and how the movie seemingly tried to wrap up. But I think overall, it's a very, very good package that really deserves attention because because of quite a few good technical aspects. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's there's a lot of other stuff that it touches, you know, with with the style and the tone. Um, all right, so so for a lot of the way that it feels, it, it does have that Carpenter's Prince of Darkness feel, like if you've ever if you've ever seen that film. Um, you know, it's like they're trapped inside of a place. There's a cult outside. You know, there's a portal to another world. The lead character sacrifices themselves by pushing the evil back through the portal. Like, that that type of stuff is there. Like, that's that's a very strict parallel. So it almost seems like there they took the framework and then they started mixing in an amalgamation of a lot of 80s stuff that they really enjoyed. And what would be the type of film that they would like to see given that... Um, base plot of this of this cult and in this cthulhu style lovecraftian world oh for sure i think they've definitely earned another shot at that here with uh this type of story or or whatever they decide to do because these are clearly some very good skilled filmmakers that need backing uh in future projects because i think they only need more room to do what they want to do and they can make something even better yeah, and we learned that this is a good way to... It, it is a success. This movie made uh, gross just about $150,000 in the box office, which to me is pretty solid for a film that really had no release except for like a video on demand and a little bit of a, a couple of screens, you know? Um, so it showed that they definitely made use of their budget and were able to at least, if not make their money back make pretty close to that yeah because we, you know we're looking at utilize it they utilize the absolute hell out of it and th- this this movie's gotten fairly relative uh critical acclaim 
And it seems to be doing pretty well on Netflix. It's just a bit divisive as far as, like, actual plot is concerned. But nothing really, like, tarnishing the talent of the filmmakers here. Oh, not at all. I think, I mean, what they were able to do was quite impressive. um, And I would love to see, you know, what they're able to to put out next. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, it really is. With that, I think that is a solid recommend from the both of us. And Absolutely. with that, we would wrap up that episode of yeah, Art of that, War with I a mean, solid recommend again. I cannot, like, one of these has got to be bad at some time. Oh, no. They're, like, you bad, know, they're, bad. They're, there's going to be, be some one, bad bads. There's going to be a couple that we end up watching that are are not necessarily good, but I think they're redeeming values in, in some of the films that we're going to be talking about. Um, not in any of the upcoming ones in the next few weeks but after that we're definitely going to delve into some 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 stranger territory some stinkers and I, I just i just want to get a stinker every once in a while okay you know? i mean if you if you want one i can i'll find some it, it'll have some sort of redeeming value though we have to have there has <laughs> to be because if it's just terrible for the sake of being terrible then we're just kind of defeating the purpose um right but yeah anyway uh next week we will be going a little old school. One of my personal favorites when it comes to uh, specifically a great werewolf transformation, all captured on camera, uh, an hey. American werewolf in London. I've been hearing so many good things, and I can't believe I actually haven't seen this one. Dude, you're going to love this movie. This oh, is I a, hope so. This is one hell of an amazing film. And it kind of makes me wish that the werewolf genre... Uh, had taken off more, but it seems to be one of the most, if not the, one of the most, if not the most underappreciated uh, subgenre of horror. You don't really see a lot yes. of werewolf films, and when you do, you don't see a lot of good werewolf films. So, yeah. and they don't make a lot of money. They're not a big box office boon. So, uh, yeah, but we're going to be talking about that next week, and and I. Yeah, I love that film, um, and we will we'll delve into some of the the interesting stuff around that. And unfortunately, it's horrible, horrible, horrible sequel. Yes, indeed. Well, with that, it is time to sign off. Please be sure to check us out on iTunes. Give us a review and wherever you like to find your podcast. If it's on Stitcher, wherever you like to find them, give give us a review. It really helps the show. Uh, and if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter or Facebook, wherever you can find us, ohthehorrorcast at gmail.com. That's the email that you'd like to send stuff into us for. And let us know what you think of the show. And with yeah. that, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. And we'll see you guys next week, everybody. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Now, it is time to keep your appointment the wicker man and there's no more room in hell the dead will walk